welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from everyone's favorite local yarn shop, Scratch Supply Co. in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And today we are having our last episode of the year. We made it, you guys. It's exciting (laughs) and kind of weird. But as the year, this, oh God, this year is finally coming to a close... People have all sorts of like end of the year traditions and superstitions about heading into New Year's and things that they like to do. Like, you know, you open all of your mail, you take out all the trash, that kind of thing at the end of the year so you don't bring it with you into the new year. This is so baffling to me because I don't open all of my mail literally ever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying I do it personally. I'm just saying it's a thing that I'm aware that some people do. But for knitters... It's time to get real about our stashes. So this episode is our 2020 stash down. So stash, what is it? What is our relationship to it? (laughs) What kind of fiber person are you? For me, when I think about stash and for people who are maybe new to knitting, stash is the yarn that you have at home. It's the yarn that lives with you. You maybe don't knit it, but it definitely lives in your home. I like to think of like three families of fiber people when it comes to stash. And the first one I think is maybe people who I'm awed by when they come into the (laughs) shop. And those people are project only knitters, which means they don't have a stash. Like there is not a stray scrap of yarn in their home. Like these people are shoppers for specific projects. They have an idea, a thing that they want to make. They identify the project, they find the yarn, they get just the amount that they need, and that's it. They buy the yarn to knit a thing, and then they knit the thing. They do. And, and then they just are move done. on with their lives. Yes. They finish the thing, <laughs> and then they start looking at patterns again, and decide to make something else, and then shop for a different yarn, and then they do it. What do you do if you need to knit socks at 11 o'clock at night? Like new socks. You're like, it's 11 o'clock at night. No. And if I don't cast on new no. socks right now. It is a different personality type. <laughs> those people, they don't have those feelings. I think those urges don't exist within them. <laughs> They're like point A to point B people. <laughs> so there's the no stash knitter, which y'all are mysterious. You are like the unicorns of fiber world to me. <laughs> and then they're like the in-between people. I think. The Uh, low stash. Low stash. You have projects that you're working on that you maybe shopped specifically for, but you also have yarn at home. So like if you do want to knit socks at 11 o'clock at night because your sweater sleeves have defeated you, (laughs) you can do that. What are you talking about, Jessica? I don't know. (laughs) It's maybe something that has happened to someone at some point, like me, like me this winter. (laughs) But you know, you might have like a shelf or a cabinet and like every once in a while you like to look at your pretty yarn and feel inspired and then tuck it away karen has traveling stash like when we went to vogue what are you talking about you were like i'm here at vogue i'm gonna get skeins from this person and this person and this person like (laughs) i was like what did my stash do while i wasn't watching (laughs) no when we go places you build stash yes it's true it's like vacation stash yeah and well and what i did at vogue this year and this has actually turned into like my favorite way to interact with a fiber event is you come into the fiber event with 
like a stash buster project. So the one that we did most recently was the Singing Sand Shawl, which is a really beautiful shawl and it's a really great way to use up individual skeins that, you know, if you are kind of consistent in the colors that you choose, you don't even really have to work that hard to make them coordinate because if you are an earth tones person, you have five or six different colors of earth toned yarn that you can just pull out of your stash. But in this case, what I I like to do is when I'm going to a fiber event, I pick a project like that, and then I go to all the different vendors that I'm interested in um, supporting or visiting or exploring their yarn, and I pick a single skein, and it goes into this one project. It's my Vogue Knitting Live 2020 singing sand shawl, we think. We're still pretty sure that happened in 2020. That that was this year. I, it okay. was. I'm positive. <laughs> this is like a multi-episode confusion at this point. Yeah, so yeah. that's one way to do it. Sometimes I like to pick up things that like I haven't seen before. I used to be a big uh, fingering weight yarn person. Like I would see one single skein and go, that's it. I don't know what I would make with it, but I'm just getting one skein. So that would go into my stash. But yeah, the midway fiber acquisition person has has some amount of yarn at home. And then like some projects in progress. But maybe your life doesn't revolve around yarn in every room of your house. What's the third kind? (laughs) (laughs) So I like to think of the third kind of yarn person as yarn collectors. And I specifically call them collectors, although sometimes you hear them called yarn hoarders, because I feel like Hoarding is maybe a judgy word. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I I don't think that there's like any positive or negative like value associated with having yarn in every room of your house. Like, it's just a choice and that's fine. But people who are yarn collectors have a lot of yarn, like impressive, maybe intimidating amounts of yarn that maybe date back to generations of people before them. Or, you know, they're the kind of people who identify a dyer that they really love and they get all of their yarn and they look for special limited edition colors and sets and gradients and like whatever that dyer is doing. And these people just want all of the yarn, but maybe don't knit with it. And it often feels like when we talk to those folks, when they come into the store, they aren't necessarily expecting to knit with all of it. They will, you know, they'll pull from it. But I think a lot of them have an understanding. This is not a realistic, what's the, what's the phrase? There's that thing where you're like, the amount of knitting I can do in my lifetime, in the lifetime that is remaining to me, is outpaced by the amount of material that is available. And right. also, yarn has many functions. And for the folks who collect yarn like that, a lot of times it's serving a function that isn't just there to be knit with. It is a decorative element in their home. I I often joke with people at the store that it is doing important work helping to insulate their house before (laughs) before they get around to knitting with it. Yeah, I think some of that yarn is like having super fancy clothing or jewelry. Like you have them and it's for a special occasion and you're not sure when that occasion might arise. It might not ever. Like you found these shoes and you were like, those are spectacular. Maybe you're never going to wear them, but it brings you joy to know that you have them in your home. And that's okay. If you were to get invited to a very fancy white tie event with 20 minutes to get ready, you would be prepared. I would be screwed. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, I mean, fashion is, it's different for all of us. <laughs> but um, yeah, or like having a, a set of dishes that are for special occasion or something, like maybe they were gifted to you and you've never actually used them, but it's nice knowing that you have them. You know, you have this collection that takes up your bedroom or your attic and the spare room and maybe your barn or a storage unit or (laughs) and these these folks do often have dedicated areas of their home they'll either have like specific shelving units or they'll have you know I think almost less often these folks tend to store their things in like stacked bins or something because they want to be experiencing the yarn I always kind of imagine that if this is you your experience of your yarn room is very similar to the way we feel when we walk into the store like we are not individually as people ever going to I mean it wouldn't be much of a store if we did knit with every skein of yarn on our shelves but it is really good feeling to walk in there and it's like really full and it's colorful and it's just like oh good this is so great and then you know if we've just gotten something in Jessica's always like Karen just get over it if we've gotten something (laughs) in and we have the you know we have eight skeins of every color and it's on the shelf the first person who orders it I'm always like Oh, but we had eight skeins of every color on the shelf. <laughs> no, there's seven of that one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you took my whole color away. In in fairness, this is less upsetting than it used to be when we had markers. We used to have this marker display and I would get real salty about people buying the markers out of the display because I just wanted to look at the display. Maybe I was a marker. I was a, I had a marker stash. Maybe it was our inventory, <laughs> but right. sure. Right. <laughs> We are the flaw in my stash was we put it in our store. So, so what kind of stash person are you, Karen? Okay, I used to be the first kind. I used to be like I would go buy yarn for a project. I would make the project. There was that one time shortly after I moved in with you where I had just a little bit of yarn left over after I made probably one of the kids like a hat or something, and it was like a tiny little like a quarter size, but you know, I mean, sphere. it was bigger than that. <laughs> And I can't even remember which one of those children I said it to, but I threw this little scrap away and I was like, don't tell your mother. And then I went somewhere and I came back and she had dug it out of the trash can and it was sitting on the counter to accuse me. (laughs) I mean, in fairness, it's not like I went through like a compost pile. It was just sitting. (laughs) It was just sitting there. I, I used to really be that way where I would, yeah, I would like get my yarn for a project and then I would knit the project and the thing about that was I was completely unable to start a new project until my old one was done I felt like emotional weight around the completion of these things so I ended up like finishing things and then I think what broke me was me shaming you no No. (laughs) I don't there was a cardigan (laughs) there was a cardigan a seamed cardigan. I'm not going to say who the designer was or what the line of yarn was, although I will tell you that it was the same. It was an in-house designer for a line of yarn. And I didn't want to seam this darn cardigan. And I knit some of the pieces and then I lost some of the pieces and some went into a project bag and some went into a trunk. And then I was like, you know what? I don't have to finish absolutely everything I start. And thus began my... my foray into being the second kind, which is I have a relatively small stash, although we do also have the store. And in some ways, the store is like a stash. Like, it's not really fair for us to identify ourselves because I don't know if we didn't have keys to a yarn shop 
I might be the kind of person where at this point in my life, I needed to have a room full of yarn to walk into periodically. <laughs> right. You just breathe in the fiber. <laughs> right. <laughs> we do have a room full of yarn. It's, it's work. just not right. <laughs> we just, we just, it's our job. Yes. What about you? Okay. So my, my evolution as a fiber person is kind of fraught. Like I really got into knitting in my early 20s and like really because I was self-taught I had no idea what I was doing and didn't really know how to like plan and didn't really know what I liked or what I didn't I just liked everything so I would once I discovered that I had a local yarn shop I would go there and find things that I loved it was like this precious single skein and I would acquire them I would buy them and bring them home and then not know what to do with them. I like that you. I like that you just self-corrected. I would acquire them as though you were shoplifting I mean, yarn. I don't from your know. Local like, like <laughs> big intense feelings about that. It's just coming with me. But like, I didn't really know what to make with them. I was very. I just knew I wanted to do this thing, but I had no direction. I think that's what it was. And at some point. I kind of cleaned my stash up a little bit because I had all of these single things and was like, uh, I need I need to be doing this differently. I can't just keep buying single skeins of yarn and then not knitting with them because I don't have a project. And then at some point, <laughs> I think it was after we opened the shop, though, I really got real with myself about what I had in my stash. And maybe maybe about two years ago, I think. I went through and purged mercilessly. I was like, I have had you for 16 years <laughs> and I'm never going to knit you. <laughs> right. Well, and, and we hear that from people too. And I think that is more common to the small stash type of knitter who does have the ability to, maybe not realistically, but to knit everything in their stash in their lifetime. Yeah. Sometimes these folks really feel like they need to knit everything in their stash. And it's been some, you know, it's some piece of like boucle, what's the word I'm looking for? Or something like ephemera. It's a piece of like boucle ephemera from, you know, 1992 that was given to them by somebody who, who even knows. But because they've had it with them, they really feel like at some point they need to do something with it. And... Maybe and you don't. <laughs> and, and they don't, because maybe they don't ever actually want an item made with this piece of boucle. Like, boucle yarn is actually great. I don't know why I'm using this as an example, but. Well, I feel like it's having a moment. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's coming back, but the fibers are nicer. Right. Like, there's there's a difference between now yarn and a 30-year-old skein of yarn. It might be fine, or it might be questionable. So what if you want to change? What do you do? Like I took my yarn and I thought, you know what? There's a lot of nice stuff in here. Like there unquestionably was like really nice yarn that I had no interest in using. And so my decision was to take it and donate it to our local thrift shop. They have a craft supply section And I'm sure it ended up there. And there were probably plenty of people who go there who were completely thrilled to find like $35 skeins of yarn for $3. And it's a very different experience, I think, having these these sort of emotional weight skeins of yarn or your grandmother's set of straight needles or whatever it is that you have sort of burdened yourself with. 
having that following you around as a sort of emotional to-do list than coming across it kind of magically in this in a thrift store or something where you're like, oh, this is great and I can do something with this. Like there's no obligation associated with that object for the person who's finding it at, in our case, at the Listen Center. Right. Yeah, I think that like it's it's just not your thing. It's like dating. Like that person <laughs> might be fine. They're just not for you. <laughs> You know, just let it go. <laughs> Drop them off at the thrift store. It's fine. <laughs> Someone will find them there <laughs> and give them a good home. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And like I, there were things in my stash that I definitely didn't donate because I was like, this is not nice. This is, this was knit four different times and has been beat up and I don't have a ball band and no one can identify what it is. And it's just kind of sad at this point. And those things, like, I I let go. But anything that was usable and in good shape, someone else can use it, even if you don't want to. Someone else will be happy to. I know a lot of knitters de-stash on Ravelry or other websites, so that's an option, too, if you are having, like, overwhelm at your stash and you just need to let some of it go, like, sell it. And that can be really fortuitous because sometimes people pick up old projects where they're like, oh, I started making this cardigan, you know, 15 years ago, and now the, the yarn has been discontinued or the color has been discontinued or the color has shifted and I can't find the last skein for the last half of the second sleeve. I'm going to hop on Ravelry and I'm going to try to find, you know, Rowan something discontinued something <laughs> in, in lot. 1031 and maybe you'll get lucky maybe Rowan whatever in Dialot 1031 is what you happen to have in your bin that is being accusatory Uh, you haven't knit it yet but it's because you weren't supposed to knit it it was this other person she was supposed to knit it (laughs) it's been waiting for her you've been keeping it safe that's right (laughs) what are other places that you could donate stash to schools um, like the, there's an elementary school near us that has a, a knitting program, um, Waldorf schools, Waldorf schools are wildly fiber crafty and they go through kids, in, like kids in general go through materials like wildly quickly. They, you know, between sort of mistakes and then just sort of like kid enthusiasm, that can sometimes be a big financial output for those teachers. And it's, it's nice to get a donation. Plus, you know, especially if it's something that is acrylic, it's going to be hard wearing. Don't donate your like cashmere. <laughs> or, like, to the know. kindergarten. Right. Yarn club. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe save that for an adult, but that's always appreciated by the teachers who are not having to spend their own personal like paychecks on materials to teach their students to knit right let's see there are also things like community craft sales that happen we have an art gallery in town that does a once a year craft supply de-stash where people in the community come and they bring old canvases and they bring fiber arts materials like knitting needles and yarn people bring oil paints and all sorts of interesting stuff and it just gets laid out in the parking lot And then everyone sweeps through and takes what they want and gives it a good home. So that might be something that happens in your community too. Senior centers, particularly if you have acrylic, because a lot of times seniors are knitting for grandbabies. And 
that kid can do all the little things that infants are going to do to that <laughs> that hand knit blanket. That's perfect. That's a perfect use. Also, a lot of times they don't have the transportation to run out and get supplies like they might like. So it's nice for senior centers to have like a stash of needles or something like that, that they can just, how often does it happen where you're like, I know I have seven somewhere, guess I'm going to run out and buy another set. If you don't personally have transportation to do that, it would be really lovely if there were like a jar of needles you could you could look through to fill that need for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, the community room at like the senior center or your community center or whatever place where people gather to do these things, even your library would be a good option. Our local libraries have a library of things, not just books. And I know that they have a ball winder there that people can borrow and take home and a variety of other weird household project specific items. <laughs> so they might they might be interested in taking supplies and tools too. So there are many, many options in your community to rehome stash that is causing you Emotions that are not joy. <laughs> Let me channel Marie Kondo here and just say your fiber stash should bring you joy. It should be a positive thing for you. And if it's causing you stress, it's time to reassess your living situation. Well, and sometimes it's not even about all of this sort of heavyweighted emotions. Maybe six years ago, you went through a really intense phase of purple. And you bought a bunch of purple yarn, and now you're not really in a purple kind of mood. You want to be knitting with red, and now you have all this purple yarn, and you're like, I'm just, <laughs> man, it's just not my color. Like, I just don't want to wear it. Mm -hmm. Somebody does. Like, fashion changes, styles change. You shouldn't feel beholden to the person you were at the time you made this purchase. And then sometimes, too, like, I think we both destashed around the same time. We had this mm -hmm. sort of, like, household-wide <laughs> destash oh, going there on. There was yarn everywhere. <laughs> it was rolling all over the place. So many loose stitch markers. So many stitch <laughs> markers. That's true of like everything everywhere. in our lives yeah. right now. You move the couch, it's just stitch markers. You flip a cushion, stitch markers. They fall out of pockets. They're in the mm. washing machine. Yes, everywhere. <laughs> but then there are also skeins that you, you know, maybe you still don't have a project for, but you still want to hold on to them. And that is also absolutely fine. You know, they're either a reminder of a fun shop that you went to. Maybe you just really love them. Sometimes, you know, you just really love looking at this skein of yarn and that is fine. In my personal stash, I have some beautiful skeins of I believe it's a merino cashmere blend of plucky knitter yarn that you gave to me years ago. And it's like this like acid green, kind of limey green, which I love. And I've just been hoarding it like a dragon <laughs> for, for maybe four years now. It's some number of years because I just haven't been able to decide what to do with it. And there was no way I was going to de-stash it because I wanted to use it, but also I didn't want to wasted on a project that wasn't calling to me to make and the other day it just came to me <laughs> like I knew what that yarn wanted to be and now I have a plan and at some point after I deal with my timeout sweaters um, <laughs> I'll cast that on and have a project for later this winter which I'm really excited about so what do you do it's it's kind of one thing if you have a stash of like sweater quantities 
or mm-hmm. something, right? And then you just hop on Ravelry. You were like, oh, I bought this yarn for a sweater. Turns out I don't really want to knit the sweater, but I know I have 1,600 yards of this. And then you just hop on Ravelry and you use their uh, filters and you do 1,600 yards of fingering weight. What can I make? You pick another sweater. What do you do if you're a single skein stash person? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> me, me. What, right. what do you do if you're yes. Jessica? So if you have full skeins of yarn, you can get crazy with colorful projects. And this is where I think Stephen West like is always the first designer that comes to mind for me because his projects are big and beautiful and bold and combine lots of different colors and textures. And they're kind of fantastically versatile. Like you can use whatever you have to make these projects come to life. So I think they're great if you have a handful of like precious skeins that you want to use. I think looking through his catalog of designs are going to inspire you to think about different ways to use them together, things that might not have been immediately obvious to you. And then also stripes. I'm a fan of making things that were not intended to be striped, striped. Can we talk about color combinations? Because I'm thinking specifically of Stephen West. He has an intense, like, bold eye for color. Yeah, and that's not, I'm trying to think of a word, like, it's not avarance. It's um, his, his assertion. There we go. I'm thinking specifically of Stephen West and his assertion that neon is a neutral. So he is always throwing, like, bright neon, like, highlighter yellow with, like, camel. Or, you know, uh, like, mm-hmm. with, with what I'm going to call traditional neutrals. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. I feel like if you trust the colors and just put them together, they're stuck together and now they go. Like every every color on the color wheel has some relationship to every other color on the color wheel. Oh, it doesn't definitely. have to be like complementary. You know, remember in like elementary school art class, you learn that like yellow and purple go together and orange and blue go together because they're like secondary colors. Yeah. Complementary colors. Like you, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Here's what I think. I think a lot of people are afraid of making color choices. They can see wild color combinations on other people and love them. But if you ask them to put together a palette with that same kind of vibe, they would be like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> I can't do that. And to them, I say, why can't you do that? Like, what do you think will happen if you do? Because really, like, there's nothing to be afraid of. If there is a particular color that you really don't love, like maybe don't include that. But if you really love, uh, you know, beige, but you like hot pink and you also like periwinkle blue and teal, put them together. Why not? Like the whole point the whole point, we say this all the time, of making your own clothing is that you get to make them exactly how you want them to be. And don't be afraid. <laughs> like, it's okay <laughs> to make choices that you can't find at the store. Because if you're just going to do that, that's fine if you have like a conservative palette, or you like things that are very neutral or whatever. Oh, but sure. if you want things that don't look like that, and you want like bold and eye catching and very unique, Just do it. Nothing bad is going to happen to you. (laughs) Well, and I think, too, another thing that sometimes we run into with folks, if you were, for example, looking at a Stephen West project, but you are not necessarily somebody who wears a lot of bright colors, but you're feeling very inspired by his like bright color choices, 
you want your project to look like his, but then you end up not wearing it because you are not a person who wants to wear neon yellow. So in this way, choosing yarn from your stash is actually probably going to serve you really well because those are colors, particularly if it's the sort of Jessica, Jessica style, like I just really loved the skein and it had to come live with me at my house. And you've done that, you know, six different times then you really love all six of those skeins. And if you put them together, you're going to really love the garment that results. And it's going to be colors that you want to wear. And it's going to be something that like suits you, which is lovely. Although Stephen West himself admits that he always posts and promotes and just calls his project Stash Busters, but he will tell you he just buys more yarn. That's right. He gets new, <laughs> he gets new yarn, which I mean, same. same. <laughs> Definitely. What if you just have scraps, though? What if you are scared that somebody in your house is going to pull the tiny little ball of yarn out of the trash (laughs) and And shame shame me with it? it? (laughs) I don't know who would do that. So then you look for, you either choose any random project and say, I will make this a scrap buster project, or you look for patterns that are kind of intended to function in that way. We did a stash buster knit along in January 2019 two two years ago yes we did the Roy G Biv cardigan by Park and Knit Park Williams yeah and it was amazing and it was written for any combination of weights of yarn that you had on hand and what you were looking for was a particular kind of like bulky gauge and we had a lot of people get really excited about that project and A number of them use stash, and then a number of them were like, I'm going to (laughs) add to my stash to create this sweater and like built pellets and gradients. And um, our lovely friend Melissa knit a wild, like rainbow bright style Roy Bib. Like it was bright and gorgeous. So something like that is really fun. Uh, You're holding strands together to achieve whatever weight the pattern's written for. So, you know, three strands of fingering or two strands of DK weight, and it really eats up the yardage that you have hanging around. And it's a great way to use up partial skeins or mini skeins. It does neat transitions too, because you're not, you know, if you have a scrap that is 50 yards long and you have a scrap that is 30 yards long, those are going to end in different places. So there's a little bit more of a gradual, it creates marling Mm -hmm. rather than the sort of lines that you get from like fading from one skein to another. Uh, what what Park did was she took all of her scraps and sort of lined them up in in rain, like in Roy G. Biv order, in rainbow order. And that way she had this sort of fading. It's cool. You should look it up on Ravelry. I'll link it. If you're combining skeins and you're trying to decide what order to put them in, if you lay them out and then take a black and white picture with your phone, or like take a picture and then make it be black and white, if you get the gray scale in order, those skeins will look like they're in the right order to your eye in real life, like in color. Yes. That made sense. Yes. Okay. You'll be able to see like you're, sometimes it's hard to look at colors and identify the different tones, but if it's all gray scale, you can see which ones are darker or lighter than each other. So that's a fun trick. It's handy. If you tend to knit a lot with heavier weight yarn, so you have a lot of scraps of worsted or DK, another Park Williams pattern, the stay pull, like stay, 
new space pull mm-hmm. is a, a pullover sweater that also combines those two. And it's a very similar effect. A lot of her patterns do that. Actually, if you just go to her Ravelry store, she, she's into this idea. I don't know where she gets all these scraps. If she's, <laughs> if she's knitting all these scrap projects. It, yeah. That's it's just fantastic. another option. Let's see the, I always feel like I'm saying this wrong, but the Penguono from Stephen West is amazing it calls to me and i've not knit it but i'm going to it's (laughs) it's like a big like oversized very very impressive positive ease i think like 20 or 30 inches of positive ease cardigan it's almost like a jacket or a bathrobe or something depending on how long you make it it's a penguin kimono it's a penguin kimono (laughs) (laughs) i'm 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 gonna stake my claim on that being where the name came from it is a kimono for a penguin i believe you (laughs) (laughs) that is the style yes it yeah (laughs) she's looking at me like i'm insane (laughs) or maybe i'm feeling foolish that i didn't decode this on my own but that is that is all to say that if you've got lots of scrap yarn this project will be your friends and we're going to talk about it maybe a little bit more later on. But that's that's a big wrappy cozy kind of stash busting project. There are also blankets. Blankets are a good way to blankets use up great. scrap yarn. Karen, you actually you can talk about this one because yeah. you knit some of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone ever knits the whole. I mean, I think I've definitely seen some completed ones, but it's also one that you can keep adding to kind of perpetually. The Beekeeper Quilt by Tiny Owl Knits is written for fingering weight scraps. That's the Hexy Puff. Yeah. You know, I think it was all over like Ravelry and social media a couple of years ago. It's written for fingering weight scraps, but with the assistance of a little bit of math and just knitting fewer stitches, you could very easily do DK weight and worsted weight in there too. Or if you're somebody who you only really ever knit with heavier weight yarn, then you're just making slightly bigger hexi puffs. It's just, you want them all to be more or less the same size when you're stitching them together. That is going to be a very, very warm blanket if I ever finish it because the hexi puffs are stuffed with fluffing. They're they're (laughs) stuffed with (laughs) fiberfill. Fiberfill. There we go. Yeah. In our house, it's fluffing. Yes. You can, you know, you just do a few at a time and then you just sort of put them together randomly. And it's really, it's a really appealing and really fun project. There's also the Stay at Home Blanket by Margaret Holzman. And this is written for Aran weight yarn. So worsted weight, basically heavy worsted. But frankly, I think you could do it in DK weight or fingering weight because what you're, you're doing to construct this blanket is you're knitting squares that are like little houses and putting them together. It's like a giant quilt of houses that you're hand knitting and stay home is our theme of the year and next year, maybe the next year, part of next year. (laughs) I don't, I, you know what? I think after all of this time at home being cozy and more relaxed and less like dressed up for work and I mean for people who had to do that I was gonna four say times. we've been pushing that bar <laughs> but I think that you know staying home is good like people are into spending more time with their dogs and gardening and you know being in the house that you work so hard to live in like having a nice cozy blanket to wrap yourself up in while you're there 
is a good thing. So that would be a fun project. And you could get really wild with color with this or curate a palette, like do whatever you want. These houses will be like a neighborhood. Oh, the other blanket is Northeasterly by Skananigans. And this is a fun blanket because it's like knitting vertical chevron panels. And it's written, I think, for fingering weight yarn, but you can, you could do it at any gauge, I think. It's a blanket. It's fine. But it's a great (laughs) way to like, you know, use up all of those scraps of sock yarn from your other projects and really like play with fading techniques. Or, you know, if you want to hold strands together, you could do a lot of marling and just get really cool like color visuals happening on that. Another sweater that I forgot to mention earlier is the Simple Something by Anka Strick. And it's it's a pullover much like the Parkin Knit pullover that we were just talking about, the staple. This one is designed for fingering weight. And I would say with the sweaters in particular, your life is going to be easier if you stick with the weight that the designer is designing for. Blankets, anything goes. But if it has to actually fit your body, unless you want to do some math and make some adjustments you're probably going to want to find, even for a scrap project, find a pattern that you can actually make fit the body that you have. Yeah. Do a swatch. Yes. Even though your scrap busting keeps watching, meat gauge. Right. You know, if it's a fingering weight pattern, maybe you're holding together some strands of lace weight. If you happen to have a lace weight stash or a bunch of mohair that you need to use up. Yeah. The swatch will just help you use up your stash because then (laughs) you will emerge from this project at the end feeling unburdened by having worked your way through at least part of the stash that has been hanging over your head absolutely let's see oh the last one is um the snap hat by tin can knits that pattern like all tin can knit patterns is like graded from baby sizes through big adult sizes And you're holding fingering weight yarn together to achieve a marled effect. And then there's a great little scrappy pom-pom on top. And you can use up as many colors of yarn as you want in pom-poms. They're also a great way to eat up stash. Yes. Decorative, fluffy bits of yarn all over your house. Make a garland. (laughs) Hey, should we do a knit-along? We should totally do a knit-along. Let's do a knit-along. (laughs) Penguono? Let's do a penguono. So we're going to do our first ever make good virtual stash down knit along. Yeah. Starting the year with a nice clean stash slate. We're going to cast on on Monday, January 4th, and we're going to try to finish by February 1st. So you got four weeks to knit this thing. We're going to ask you to take pictures and post them on Instagram with the hashtag make good stash down. I'll put that in the show notes. And then at the end, we will randomly select someone to win a $150 gift card so you can buy yourself something good that you've been waiting for. You know, you're trading your stash for a new set of needles or something like that. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. I can't wait. And maybe we'll see if we can figure out how to do this on the 4th when we start. We might do a Instagram live or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. We'll cast on together. Listen, if we can do a podcast, we can do an Instagram live. Probably. Sure. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) You look so skeptical. I feel very dear in the headlights about this, but yeah, we're we're not doing a YouTubes. There's no YouTubes here, but maybe an Instagram live to bring us together and cast on our penguono. Could someone, okay, could somebody email us and explain 
when podcasts became YouTube channels. Yes. Like, I feel like I understood what a podcast was and I understood what a YouTube channel was. And then we- Like a vlog. Right. Right. Like a vlog. And then we opened a small business and then it's that diagram where it's like three things or four things and the third one is just a line of question marks. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) If, If some- digital media historian could email us and tell us when that happened, I would feel better about having completely missed that particular boat and not understanding it. Oh, I did too. Like, (laughs) so baffling. We would have people come into the shop and say, well, I was watching the blah, blah, blah podcast. And we were like, what? (laughs) What do you mean "Hmm." watching the podcast? (laughs) Like, it just didn't make sense until we realized that like, people were making YouTube channels and that was getting called a podcast. Like I'm baffled. Yeah. Maybe we were busy opening the store and we just missed it. (laughs) We were like, we don't have time. I would love to have an answer to this. That and Spotify. How do you use Spotify? You don't, nobody has to explain that to me. It's just the other thing I can't do. (laughs) Yeah. My New Year's resolution for 2020 was to learn how to use Spotify (laughs) and I failed. Oh, we were busy, though. This was a hard year. Yeah. There was a, there was a lot of other stuff that was more important happening, I think. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Jessica. Karen. Are you ready? Oh, no. <laughs> For a letter. I don't know. Let's do it anyways. <sighs> okay. I'm ready. This email comes from Jocelyn, who is currently in Ghana working for the United Nations. Hi, Jocelyn. That's really cool. I am on a men's sweater kick. While these larger sweaters can be daunting projects, it's also really satisfying to see something hand-knit on a man you cherish. Right now, I'm knitting So Basic Sweater by Maxim Sear on size 4mm Lika Driftwood Needles and Brooklyn Tweed Loft. Just to interject into your email, that sounds like it's amazing. I'm knitting it for my daughter's boyfriend, and when I sent her a picture of the torso and part of the sleeve, she asked me if I could, quote, make it thinner. Kids these days, if only they knew. But I made Drake with Plymouth yarn for my nephew a year ago, and it was too long and bulky. I ended up being really daring and washing it and then throwing it into the dryer, and after 15 minutes, it was perfect. It shrank up in length, but not too much in width, and it was really nice. What are your thoughts about throwing wool into the dryer to shrink it? I know I'm speaking near heresy here, but you two seem like pretty good risk takers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's accurate. We get adventurous (laughs) and sometimes we pay the price, but maybe not today. Okay, Jocelyn, here is what I think. (laughs) So you've done this before, so you're feeling brave. Good for you. You've already gotten through like the first scary thing before you put this entire sweater through the wash and the dryer I would recommend if you have the yardage to do it to make yourself a sizable swatch like bigger than a four by four maybe like an eight by eight inch swatch in whatever the stitch pattern is for this and put that through the wash and the dryer take measurements before you do it and take measurements afterwards so you have a good idea of how that sweater is going to shrink. You want to know if it's going to shrink more width-wise or if it's just going to get short. 
different fibers behave differently and what works for one machine washed and dried wool sweater might have very different results for another one. And since this is for a person who is not physically with you and it's a gift, being able to kind of troubleshoot before you have done the unreversible thing will work to your benefit. So yeah, do some measuring, do some math and figure it out beforehand. If you find that that is not working, then I would consider how far you are into the project. It sounds like you have quite a bit of knitting done, but you might be able to block it, like wet block it and take a hairdryer to it. Like I I would experiment with things, but like experiment with the swatch first before you go after the entire finished garment. I also wonder a little bit because um, Jocelyn didn't mention what what base of Plymouth that she did this successfully. Right. And specifically the loft. Loft is woolen spun, correct? Yes. So that may behave a little bit differently in the dryer. You are definitely going to want to, I I would suggest that she's definitely going to want to swatch mm-hmm. and like beat your swatch up, like do the worst case scenario thing to your swatch because it would be terrible if you throw it and it like disintegrates or something, you know? Yeah. And there are, there are like different degrees of going through the washer and dryer. Start gentle and get more aggressive if you need to, because there's one phase of shrinking a knit garment that is like, now it is slightly smaller than it was. And much beyond that, you get into <laughs> the stage of, I have created a boiled wool effect. So it no longer looks knit. It's now like a felted garment. And that's not necessarily bad if you like the outcome, but you don't want to go in thinking that you're going to get slightly smaller and end up with a boiled wool type fabric because you decided to take the dog for a walk while it was in a dryer and you forgot to come back and take it out in 15 minutes. It stayed in for a full hour. It might fit the dog after that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd look quite dapper. Um, Surprise dog sweater. <laughs> I love dog sweaters. But maybe you don't want to knit a dog sweater out of lofts when it's supposed to be for your daughter's boyfriend. Yeah, so experiment. Do some math. Do some science. <laughs> <laughs> it's fiber science. It's an adventure. But whatever you do, let us know how it turns out, Jocelyn, because I am intrigued. Yes. I have not ever intentionally shrunk one of my sweaters i've accidentally ruined things in the dryer but i have not done it for fit purposes i did with my second drift sweater i threw it in the dryer on purpose because it had stretched out so much Mm -hmm. it was knit with some super wash indie dyed i actually can't remember what the fiber content of that base was because it was a couple years ago I have done that where like taking super wash objects, like I've gotten them to snap back into shape, but I haven't like gone in the other direction with non-treated wool and tried to just shrink it to be a different size, but it sounds exciting and I support you. (laughs) Yeah. Baby steps with this. Like, I think that's probably the key. Whatever it is you try to do, do it in little increments. Yeah. Good luck, Jocelyn. This sounds (laughs) exciting and definitely keep us posted. We want to know how this turns out. We're cheering you on from afar. Okay, so. I think that's it. That's it for today. That was a lot. 
stashes can be overwhelming, but also exciting and full of opportunity. Like your newfound opportunity to knit a penguono with us starting in (laughs) in January. Which is going to be so much fun. Yeah, let's start 2021 off with a clean slate and a cozy thing to wear when we're still in our houses in March. Make good sash sound. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already subscribed, you can subscribe to this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. You can also follow us on Instagram. We don't have a podcast Instagram set up yet, but you can find us at Scratch Supply Co. We do announcements and stuff there. Rate us, review us. It'll help other knitters find us. And Happy New Year. We'll see you next year. See you in 2021. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.